Welcome to a special presentation of Nebraska Farmcast, a podcast with essential information for essential decisions from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. The Nebraska Extension Farm and Ranch Management Team in the Department of Agricultural Economics is dedicated to providing timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications for Nebraska agricultural decision makers. Each week, our team brings you essential information for your essential decisions in live webinars covering a diverse array of farm and ranch management topics presented by experts from the university, from across the state, and from around the country. This series of podcasts offers audio from these webinars so you can learn on the go. To find a complete archive of all webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more resources, visit the Farm and Ranch Management website at farm.unl.edu. Well, good afternoon and welcome to you joining us here on our webinar this afternoon. We thank you for joining. I know many are just tuning in here and, and being added as we speak. So we thank you and welcome you to our webinar series this afternoon. I'm Brad Lubin. I'm an associate professor and extension policy specialist here in the Department of Ag Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Uh, this is part of our continuing weekly webinar series uh, produced by our extension farm and ranch management team. You can always find a complete schedule of upcoming webinars. You can find a link to past webinars and recordings and resources with those webinars all at our website, farm.unl.edu. You see the slide that's up there now with our upcoming webinars, including one next week on sort of the current state of the economic recovery in U.S. agriculture uh, with Nathan Kaufman from the Kansas City Federal Reserve Bank. Uh, in, on, March, on May 20th, we have a benchmarking and profitability webinar for beef operations as well. You can find registration information and, and more information on those and other webinars, again, at our website, farm.unl.edu. Uh, I remind you, as, as we've done for more than a year now as part of this webinar series, to remind you that the Nebraska Rural Response Hotline is always a great resource for ag professionals across the state. It provides mental health counseling, it provides information regarding legal assistance, financial clinics, mediation, and more. Uh, the hotline's toll-free number, as you see on the screen there, is 1-800-464-0258. Uh, the resources related to stress and wellness can always and also be found, rather, at ruralwellness.unl.edu. Now, on to today's topic. Uh, you've heard uh, over the past year of many uh, different uh, uh, efforts at COVID relief, and particularly now what is called the Pandemic Assistance for Producers Initiative, uh, or the American Rescue Plan Act, and previously what was called the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. All acronyms that uh, we've come to know or, or want to know more about, uh, all of them have been in the news, but what do they really mean? Today's webinar gives us a chance to, to focus on those issues and those programs and details. Um, we will talk about CFAP, PAP, and briefly ARP, as uh, the acronyms might be pronounced. But I'm happy to have uh, expertise uh, with us today. Kathy Anderson from Nebraska 
uh, Farm Service Agency State Office is joining us again as she has before. Welcome back, Kathy. Great to see you again and have you be part of the program. Thank you. Now, we're going to set the stage very quickly for Kathy to talk about program details and information. Uh, but I want to I want to share that by focusing uh, a bit on uh, where we are and and where we've sort of come from over the past year uh, in terms of managing uh, the, these assistance programs. So let me confirm that the slides are showing up well. Looks good. Okay, thank you. So right now we're talking about COVID assistance, and that's the that's the focus of our attention here today. But remember, this is really four years plus now of uh, ad hoc assistance uh, that have been a major part of um, farm program supports uh, and additional assistance for U.S. ag producers. In 2018, it was a combination of disaster assistance, something called the WIP program, uh, the wildlife, excuse me, it used to be called the Wildlife Habitat Incentive Program long ago. WIP's acronym as it's currently uh, used is the Wildfires and Hurricanes Indemnity Program. Uh, we also had the trade assistance uh, payments being made out in the wake of uh, trade, ongoing trade conflict and, and export losses. The market facilitation program rolled out in 2018. In 2019, it was doubling down on those efforts. WIP became WIP Plus as the assistance was uh, expanded to more uh, agricultural disasters, including the floods. Uh, that we saw here in, in Nebraska and elsewhere. A second round of trade assistance, MFP2, came about. And then 2020, uh, just as exports looked like potential recovery, just as the economic prospects looked a bit stronger, then COVID happened. And we saw dramatic uh, shocks in the marketplace and obviously with, with public health and, and public activity. To respond to the ongoing COVID uh, shocks and, and challenges. Uh, USDA, through legislative authorization and programmability, rolled out CFAP 1 and CFAP 2. Now, here in the early months of 2021, we saw additional assistance roll out under the CFAP program. And then we saw the PAP program, uh, the Pandemic Assistance uh, for Producers Initiative, uh, that combined uh, some of the existing efforts into a more uh, comprehensive package. We also have ARP, the, the uh, American Rescue Plan Act uh, of 2021 that provides some additional assistance. We will note, however, that that is more targeted uh, in terms of its uh, uh, potential recipients to come. If the timeline uh, were to explain this, uh, with COVID happening and really hitting the US economy and the US ag sector in early 2020, it was the CARES Act in March 2020 that initiated uh, the ag relief. That included CFAP uh, 1. At the time, it was just called CFAP, but it was announced in April. CFAP 2 was announced in August. And then the Consolidated Appropriations Act passed in late uh, 2020, uh, provided the authorization uh, for additional assistance here in 2021. CFAP AA, the additional assistance that rolled out in January 2021, was actually through the existing authority of the CARES Act and uh, the CCC, the Commodity Credit Corporation. The Appropriations Act passed in December of 2020 provided the authority and funding for what is now called PAP. And Kathy will walk us through some of these details and, and help clarify them for us. 
Now, ARPA, the American Rescue Plan Act that was passed just in March, uh, provides some additional support, but we'll say for the current and present discussion that that is really pending. Details and, and program rules are, are primarily uh, uh, yet to come. Finally, a little bit of context about these programs. The original relief arrived uh, in response to dramatic market challenges and production challenges for agriculture. From January through April, dramatic uh, market declines, here illustrated with corn, but certainly beyond just corn, uh, big market shocks led to market losses in terms of prices on commodity that had been marketed, as well as prices on commodities that were still uh, in, in possession and waiting to be marketed. That's when CFAP was originally announced, provided direct payments to producers suffering from those market losses. It also provided some funding for commodity purchases uh, to help alleviate food distribution uh, needs as well. Now through the summer, we saw some recovery, but we were still facing lower uh, prices and lower expectations relative to the pre-COVID uh, time period. And so we saw additional support rolled out. CFAP 2 uh, announced additional payments and expanded eligibility uh, in terms of the commodities that were eligible as well as the producers. Uh, CFAP 2 and CFAP AA, the additional assistance, were really based on this sort of time period of analysis uh, through late summer and the continuing economic need at the, at the time. Now, the Pandemic Assistance for Producers program is based on the Appropriations Act that was passed in uh, late 2020, still based on sort of some struggling market conditions. When PAP was announced, it included some additional support to producers in terms of payments on crop acres and payments for livestock, but under the auspices of the existing CFAP 1 and 2 programs. It also revised and expanded some of the support uh, that was first announced in the, uh, the CFAP AA program as well. Now, since that time, we have seen a fairly substantial rally in commodity markets. And so while the original COVID assistance and even the, uh, the supplemental or, or the appropriations passed in late 2021 uh, were, or late 2020 were a function of uh, challenges in the marketplace, we've now seen fairly strong recovery and maybe the end of at least the, the primary commodity uh, assistance provided through the relief packages. The new ARP uh, package, the American Rescue Plan, really primarily focuses its relief on socially disadvantaged producers. And there will be more details to come and more, uh, more uh, implementation uh, to work on. But note that there is a shift here. And so this may be uh, a, a signal of at least a, uh, the end of the basic assistance package that we've seen over the past couple of years. There is additional assistance in our focused on the food supply chain uh, and commodity purchases, but not the specific commodity payments, uh, commodity-based payments to producers. Now, that's a brief setup of what the uh, relief has looked like over the last couple of years. Uh, the details of it certainly are still much more uh, relevant and much more important for discussion today. And that's where I want to stop here and turn it to Kathy uh, for her discussion. Okay, thank you, Brad. Um, I will share my screen.
And let me know if you can see that. Not yet, Kathy. We, we see your PowerPoint. Now, now we see the presentation slide. It looks okay. good. Very good. Very good. Uh, Brad, thank you um, for having me. Um, just to recap a little bit, I am Kathy Anderson. I'm the Production and Compliance Programs Chief here in the Nebraska FSA State Office in Lincoln. Uh, most of you work with our staff out in our county offices, and I work with them as well in administering all the programs that we have at FSA. But I do want to just take a moment and, and once again thank Brad and the university for including us and giving us the opportunity to reach out to you once again um, to, to inform you and make sure you are aware of what's available under the CFAP program and the pandemic assistance for producers. So our discussion today, again, does focus on, on PAP or the Pandemic Assistance for Producers. And we wanna talk with you about what's new with the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program or CFAP as we call it. Uh, we're not only gonna talk about the payments that are being issued, but we want to focus and make sure you realize if you haven't already applied that the sign up for CFAP too has been reopened. And so it's very important to us to reach out to everyone that might be eligible for that and ensure that they uh, visit our offices, contact our offices for assistance as needed and, and apply. So we're gonna recap just a little bit about CFAP and Brad talked a little bit about the history of where we've been with, with uh, CFAP over the last few months. The first program uh, we do refer to as CFAP-1. And that application period um, ran from, I believe, May 2020 through September 2020. Um, we did pay out a total of around $722 million in Nebraska for livestock and commodity crops under that program. So it was a very important program for our Nebraska producers. And you can see there that it, it did include um, a, an array of crops and livestock. Um, the formulation for payments under CFAP 1 was a little bit different than it is under CFAP 2, uh, but the sign up did end in uh, September for CFAP 1. Now, for, um, as far as CFAP 2 goes, we had an initial application period from September through December of 2020. And under that application period, um, we have paid out around $849 million in Nebraska. Now, most of that has been for eligible commodities of corn and cattle and soybeans. But the one thing we really wanna to stress to you today is there is a broad array of crops and livestock eligible for CFAP2. It is not just our traditional crops and livestock that we might think of in Nebraska. It reaches across a variety of, of farming operations and a variety of crops and livestock. So Brad did mention CFAP additional assistance. We had those provisions announced with legislation in January of 2021. And with that, we expanded the eligibility under CFAP to, to some livestock and poultry contract producers, also to turf grass sod and to pullet producers. So you may not have been eligible under the initial CFAP2 signup, but with the CFAP additional, 
the department looked at eligible commodities that that should possibly need some assistance and did expand that to those specific ones mentioned here. Um, there were also updated payment calculations for sales commodities. So sales commodities um, generally include our fruit and vegetable crops. There's a, there's a long list that if you are, feel you are a producer of a sales commodity, we'd encourage you to go to our website or contact your county office because there is a very long list of eligible crops under sales commodities. But we did have some changes to the provisions that allowed producers of sales commodities to add their crop insurance indemnities or payments under the non-insured assistance program or the WIP plus program, those are both FSA programs, to their total sales for 2019. Um, so if you had previously applied during the first application period, make sure that you um, took an opportunity to consider whether you have added those possibly to your total sales because that could impact the amount of payments that you're receiving. We also updated the payment calculations for certain row crops under CFAP too. And namely, those were situations where perhaps a crop did not have an APH with crop insurance as a yield to use to calculate the payment um, under certain conditions. Uh, we can increase the yield that we're using in those cases. So again, our county offices did reach out to folks that had applied and make them aware of these. But if you feel that this might apply to you, again, contact your county office and make sure um, that, that you have had your application updated accordingly. The other thing that um, was implemented with CFAP additional assistance was the authority for some top-up payments for swine. Now, those payments have not yet been issued, uh, but the authority is there. So we're just waiting for implementation of that provision by USDA. So with the pandemic assistance for producers, we wanna talk a little bit about what's new with CFAP. Um, with PAP, CFAP now is providing a top-up payment for cattle. But this is going back to cattle that were on our CFAP-1 applications. And remember that we are not reopening the application period for CFAP-1. So producers who applied for um, cattle under CFAP-1 do not need to take any additional, um, any additional steps as far as applying for these top-up payments. They will be automatically issued based upon the information that you put on your CFAP-1 application. And you can see with the chart there that there are different payment rates according to the category of cattle as certified on that CFAP-1 application. So once again, uh, the CFAP-1 application period is not being reopened, so producers cannot revise any previously certified CFAP-1 applications. Now for CFAP-2, eligible CFAP-2 crops, um, which would be our price trigger crops and our flat rate crops, are going to receive a top-up payment of $20 per acre. And some examples of crops in Nebraska that would be receiving these types of payments would include alfalfa, corn, grain sorghum, soybeans, wheat, millet, and sugar beets. Um, so any of our price trigger or flat rate crops, or we might refer to them as acreage-based crops, that received a CFAP2 payment are eligible now for this additional $20 per acre payment. And there is no action or change 
uh, needed to those applications. So producers who previously applied do not need to do anything further um, in order to receive the top-up payments. Most of our offices um, have issued those payments um, and, and I believe we first started dispersing those in early April. So most producers should have received those payments at this point. So the other very important uh, piece of the pandemic assistance for producers is that the CFAP2 signup was reopened and a, a very good resource for information is the farmers.gov slash CFAP website. So the signup is open now and we currently do not have a deadline announced. Um, once that's announced, we do know that it will be open for at least a period of 60 days, but once that's announced, we'll ensure to get that information out um, and widely publicized. We really wanna stress here that farms and ranches of all sizes can participate in this program. Um, and most, if not all, of the crops and livestock raised in Nebraska can be eligible for this program. So I can't stress enough that you may be someone as a producer that's not traditionally participated in FSA programs. This is a program though that we really want you to look into and determine whether or not you may be eligible because it does cross such a broad range of crops and livestock. We will note that there are some things that were not determined to be eligible under the CFAP2 program. Um, the department largely looked at, as Brad talked about, the price declines that occurred for commodities as well as the disruptions in marketing. Uh, but in some cases, there were crops that were not determined to be eligible. And this would include, include hay, um, with the exception of alfalfa, and also crops that were intended for grazing, uh, breeding stock and other types of, of animals as we have listed there, uh, clover, our cover crops, forage soybeans, forage sorghum, um, any type of garden, whether it's a commercial or home. But I do wanna make sure that you understand that you are, if you are a commercial fruit and vegetable producer, um, that is an eligible sales commodity. And pollinators and some other, there are some other ineligible commodities, but we have a very long list of eligible commodities. This screenshot shows you if you go to the farmers.gov slash CFAP website, there is a section of eligible commodities and you can click on the plus under each of those and it will give you the, the full list of what's eligible. There are three different uh, payment categories with different formulas under CFAP2. We have the price trigger commodities and you can see examples there um, not only some of our traditional row crop commodities, but, but also broilers, eggs, uh, dairy, hogs and pigs, lambs and sheep, beef cattle. And then we also have a chart showing you the payment rates associated with those crops. We have flat rate commodities. These are largely commodities where the data wasn't available to determine a 5% price decline, which was the threshold for, for an eligible commodity under this program. Uh, but flat rate commodities, some of our examples in Nebraska would include alfalfa, millet, and sugar beets, um, teff, triticale, there are many others. Um, and so essentially in this situation for flat rate crops, uh, we're going to use the acres of that crop as certified to FSA. 
and simply multiply it by a rate of $15 per acre. Now we also have sales commodities. And I think sales commodities probably generally reach out to some of those producers uh, that have not traditionally participated in our programs. And we wanna be sure that any of those folks realize that this program's available and come in and apply for it. And examples in Nebraska are, are fruits and vegetables, aquaculture, nursery crops, floriculture, um, and we've got many others listed there. Again, the turf grass sod was added um, with our CFAP additional assistance. So go to the web page, click on the, the expanded list, and uh, please be sure to check out whether a commodity that you're producing is eligible for CFAP too. For a sales commodity, the payments are calculated using uh, payment gradations associated with the 2019 sales. And, and the chart to the right there shows you how um, that is determined. Keep in mind, if you're applying under a sales-based commodity that you can now include any crop insurance indemnities that you received in 2019, as well as any payments that you receive from FSA through the NAP or WIP Plus programs. CFAP2 does also include eligibility for a contract producer. So a contract producer would be someone who's growing or producing a, an eligible commodity for someone else, yet they don't own it or don't have a share in that production. Um, our eligible commodities for contract producers do include broilers, pullets, layers and turkeys, chicken eggs, hogs and pigs. And under the contract growers, um, we will determine a loss from the, the total revenue in 2020 versus 2019 under the contract, and then make a payment based upon that difference. As far as being an eligible producer, uh, you do not need to be a producer that is an existing USDA customer. So again, we wanna reach out to those folks that maybe have not traditionally applied for our programs um, you do need to apply on only commercially produced commodities. Those are the commodities that would be eligible under this program. You do have to comply with our conservation compliance uh, rules, which is uh, guidelines for how highly erodible land is farmed and how we maintain wetlands. And you do need to do, be a US citizen or a resident alien if you are not. If you're a non-citizen and you do not have an I-551, then there might be some certain um, contributions to the farming operations that are required in addition to be eligible for CFAP2 assistance. We wanna mention payment limitations. This program does have a payment limitation of $250,000 per person or legal entity. Uh, but the CFAP program also has some expanded payment limitation provisions that if um, the entity can certify that some of its members provide at least 400 hours of active personal labor or management, then that payment limitation could be expanded to $500,000 or $750,000, depending on the number of members um, that can make those contributions. As far as applying for CFAP, there's several ways you can do that. If you are someone that has an e-authentication account with 
USDA, you can apply online. Um, you can simply pull up the application form, which is an AD3117. You can download that form, print it and complete it, and then provide it to your local county office and finalize it with them. Or you can contact your local county office and they'll be glad to work with you. Um, schedule an appointment. Most of our offices are open uh, for appointment traffic, but you have to contact them and set that appointment ahead of time. Um, and they'll be glad to assist you in applying for the program or answer any questions that you have. We do want you to know that there is a customer call center set up just for CFAP. And we have the number here on this slide. Um, with this call center, you're, you are able to uh, work one-on-one -on -one with an employee, get some help filling out that application, and they'll make sure that we uh, direct you to the appropriate service center to assist you with finalizing that. There is an option for language interpretation through the call center. So you just need to press one and identify the language that you need. Uh, we want you to keep in mind that as you complete the AD3117 form to apply for CFAP2 program benefits, it is a self-certification. So you are certifying the eligible commodities and the eligible production that the CFAP2 program benefits will be calculated on. It is very important that you do keep documentation of what you use to determine that certification of production um, as FSA uh, conducts spot checks and you could be contacted and asked to verify with documentation those numbers that you did certify. Uh, there's a list here of some possible types of documentation. Those would probably be generally applicable to sales commodities, but there's a long list of um, acceptable documentation. So just keep, keep a hold of whatever you utilize to make that certification so that you can provide it if needed. And the requirement would be that you keep that for at least a period of three years. So what happens after you sign your CFAP application? Well, you do have 60 days from signing your application to resolve any eligibility issues. Um, and your county office will work with you on anything that's needed there. Uh, the local FSA county committee will review your application and follow up with any questions that they might have or if there's information that's missing. Once an application is approved by the county committee, then it will be processed for payment. And if the county committee does make any adjustments, they will notify you um, and inform you of what those adjustments were for and give you the opportunity to respond. So we want to be sure we leave you with some good resources. Uh, we list here some website addresses for more information, um, including the farmers.gov slash pandemic assistance, farmers.gov slash American Rescue Plan, and farmers.gov slash CFAP. If you need to find your local service center, uh, we have the website for that there in the middle. And then we'd also encourage you to go to our Nebraska FSA public website which is fsa.usda.gov ne. Or you can also reach us by phone and we have our mainline phone number there. Brad, I think that's all that I have this afternoon. 
Fantastic, Kathy. Thank you for laying it out for us and, and explaining the details and keeping all the acronyms straight uh, as, uh, as we can be challenged to do from, from time to time here. Um, I wanna share my uh, presentation again to summarize a bit of the, uh, the questions we have before us. Um, back to presentation here, hopefully. There we go. As we had, had talked and, and there have been multiple years of assistance here and, and as uh, we discussed about now multiple rounds of CFAP and, and what's now called PAP and what is yet to come here in terms of, of ARP. Uh, this is not to overlook, but, but we have not focused on some of the additional COVID assistance uh, that has come through the likes of the Paycheck Protection Program or the emergency, uh, the um, Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program to Small Business Administration programs as an example. That entire portfolio of assistance has been a tremendous part of cash flow for producers here in the past few years. And if you look at government payment projections uh, here nationally, uh, look at the last three plus years where we have uh, re effectively received, uh, where producers have received uh, the, the ad hoc assistance uh, from the trade assistance of 18 and 19 through the current uh, COVID uh, relief assistance as well. Uh, the ad hoc assistance has become the primary part of the safety net here in the last uh, three years or so. There is a portion there that are the traditional commodity programs. Uh, that portion is actually fairly small compared to the overall basket here. Uh, there's a portion, a sizable portion nationally that is for conservation programs. And that's been a fairly stable component uh, and maybe a growing component here in the years to come. But then there is the ad hoc assistance. And in 2020, in the calendar year 2020, the combination of some remaining uh, trade assistance payments and disaster uh, program payments, and then COVID relief payments, uh, really uh, ratcheted up the overall level of support. Uh, more than $30 billion of COVID relief uh, payments specifically, uh, and, uh, and a substantial uh, uh, improvement certainly to the bottom line for producers in 2020, but also uh, a challenge in terms of managing uh, decisions and, and managing projections going ahead. You see a sharp drop off predicted here in 2021, the final bar on that chart. That is still some continuing relief rolling out here under the, the PAP uh, initiative and what may be yet to come under the ARP program, but it also maybe is a signal that uh, uh, the amount of assistance is, uh, is on the downtrend and the dependence upon the market uh, becomes a much more critical component for producers. If you look at that in terms of bundling that together with farm income, uh, the government payment portion that I just looked at is the green bar now on this chart. And what you'll note moving from 2020 to 2021 is at least nationally farm income projections are actually heading down in spite of dramatically higher commodity prices. But if you look at those bars uh, that make up 20 and 2021, you'll see that farm income minus government payments is going up. Government payments are projected to get smaller. And on net, uh, farm income is expected to go down, but 
there is a substantial improvement in at least the market returns to agriculture here projected. Now, I want to clarify, this is also projections that come from earlier this spring. Uh, this captures much of the commodity rally that we've seen to date. It doesn't capture the most uh, recent uh, weeks here. Um, and we also have to acknowledge that the current rally is not the same thing as projecting a season average or a, uh, or a farm income for the, for the calendar year ahead. But it is certainly an improved market condition for producers. And that by itself may be a signal of a downtrend in expected assistance from uh, the government. That leaves producers with some very important decisions. From a farm income and a cash flow management uh, perspective, we're certainly looking at higher prices in 2021 for most commodities, substantially higher prices, in fact, for many commodities, but lower government payments. And so cash flow implications out of that could be that farm income's up even if immediate cash flow is, is down, uh, given uh, decisions about whether to move grain uh, and livestock or to move grain later this year at harvest time or not. So farm income and cash flow projections for 2021 are a bit mixed, but risk management decisions are as complex as ever, frankly. Uh, whether can, producers can make good marketing decisions in the midst of, of a current uh, fluctuating and somewhat volatile marketplace. But we have to remember the ad hoc assistance of the last few years has sort of helped to buffer and even offset some of those marketing decisions. With the pandemic assistance uh, for producers initiative rolled out uh, here already this year, that assistance is already a function of previous calculations or previous uh, uh, information and, and conditions. So that doesn't provide us additional uh, sort of support to, uh, to avoid good marketing decisions. Uh, it also is important to remember that marketing is not uh, isolated in its own silo, so to speak. It's not a farm program here and a crop insurance decision here and a marketing decision here and a production decision over here. It's not four different decisions. It, it may be four very complex elements, but it's all part of the same portfolio. Uh, and ultimately protecting and supporting the same bottom line. That means producer education, at least the attempt to, and the effort to uh, gather more information, to digest it, to help use that information to make improved farm income uh, and, and farm management decisions is a critical part of the management decisions for producers this year. The assistance from, uh, uh, from USDA uh, for COVID relief and previous disaster relief is certainly an important part of the safety net and has provided a tremendous amount of cash flow support over the last few years. Even as it is an important part of 2021, it's also uh, a, a declining part of uh, the economic projections ahead for producers. And that's an important management decision to, to continue to focus on. So with that, as sort of a, a management decision or management implication ahead. Let's take it back to uh, sharing the screen here with Kathy uh, and looking to potential questions uh, from the audience. I didn't mention it earlier, but please, if you have any questions, uh, please uh, type them in the chat box or the Q and A uh, box on your, uh, on your Zoom screen. Uh, and we're happy to, to take questions here from the audience. Um, Kathy, I want to start with a question 
that, that I've had, you've described it very well that, that, that what's coming out under PAP, the additional payments relative to CFAP 1 and CFAP 2 programs are essentially automatic and, and they would roll out and maybe have been delivered already. Um, what sort of timeline would you expect on the additional applications and the expanded eligibility and, and how long a timeline is there between application and, and payment? Yeah, generally the timeline between application and payment is really uh, pretty short. Um, our offices in, in, in large part have processed most of our CFAP1, CFAP2 applications and even with the additional assistance that was uh, the provisions that were provided in January, uh, offices, I believe, have revisited those applications as they needed to and processed additional payments, as well as the top-up payments that we had authority for in early April. And as we said, those top-up payments didn't require any additional steps on the producer's part. So we're really in a situation now where we're looking for new applicants to come in under the CFAP2 program. Um, and we'll incorporate all of those updates and changes with that application that they file. Um, and we currently don't have a deadline for the reopening of CFAP2. So um, generally our offices, I think, are well positioned to look at those applications and, and get payments processed fairly quickly. Good, good. And as mentioned, uh, the, the assistance under ARP is still pending. Uh, I identified it, I described it as there's a substantial component in there for uh, socially disadvantaged producers. Yes. And that's a very specifically defined group. Um, and then there is an additional set of, or an additional amount in there that looks like it's targeted to uh, essentially the, the food supply chain. Right. So, it, so I don't know that it looks like additional assistance directly targeted to producers. Um, but uh, any to put you on the spot, is there any sense of a timeline for for when and how that might roll out? You know, my based on my understanding, Brad, and, and I'll admit I'm not working with that directly, but my understanding in general is um, I, I don't know of any specific timeline. I know the department is working on that. Um, so we're really just uh, keeping an eye on the website and any new information that comes out um, available to us there as well as you know from our national office but at this point i think a lot of that is just still under development right and and kathy i believe you mentioned it's it is worth noting we're asking you these questions and, and you're describing a very big portfolio of fsa programs and implementation but as i believe you noted under pap and maybe arp to come uh, that could involve a lot of different agencies and, uh, and other programs. Uh, so farmers.gov does have that information, right? But, uh, but right. That, might, might, that might involve different agencies in terms of rollout. Absolutely. And I think that's important when we see that legislation to realize there's a lot of different components involved there. So it's not just FSA. Right. right. And uh, I see Bobby, uh, Bobby Chris Wickham uh, from FSA as well uh, has a couple uh, chats down there. Um, yes, when the PAP announcement came out, it noted there would be at least 60 days, right? And that runs through at least June 5th. Right. But, but it didn't explicitly say that it would be done in 60 days, right? That's correct, right. It said that it would be open, and, and thank you for kind of reminding me. I, I believe it did reopen April 5th. 
um, and we knew it would be a minimum amount of time of 60 days, but there will be an announcement of a final deadline and we'll be sure to publicize that well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And as you shared on your last slide, farmers.gov is, is the easy place to, to track this information down. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, we encourage folks to always contact our county offices, uh, but that is a really good place to start. There's just a variety of information there. Um, so that's why we did that screenshot of eligible commodities, because that's probably your first question. Do I raise something that's eligible under this program? And, and that's a good starting point. Um, Kathy, one question uh, to, for, to remind myself, the, the additional assistance rolled out under PAP relative to CFAP 1 and 2 were just top-up payments. So it's the same producer from 2020 uh, and just essentially a multiplier of their existing payments. Right, that's for, correct. For the additional rollout, you're talking about new applications, but it's still relative to the producer in 2020. It's, yes, not, it's not the 2021 producer, it's the 2020 producer, right? Right. Um, and so under CFAP, someone had to be a producer of an eligible commodity in 2020. Now, once we determine that they've met that requirement, for instance, with the sales commodity, we are going back to their 2019 sales if they were producing in 2019 and using those to calculate payments. But the starting point is they had to be an eligible 2020 producer. So that's yeah. that's correct. Yeah. And, and thus, at this point, there is nothing related to 2021 production. Yes, it's all that's, in reference to, to losses or impacts during 2020. Yes, and that's a good point to be made. So, at the, so, so we are still expanding the assistance that's being provided with regard to the 2020 operation. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a reminder that years can bleed together. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, a, a 2020 piece of legislation which authorized 2021 fiscal year appropriations is rolled out in 21, and, but it supports 2020 production. Uh, right. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's why out. things can be confusing. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So um, I'm looking and see, let me check the, the question box. Um, so this question, if a producer previously signed up for CFAP, are they eligible for the new CFAP 2? So if, so if they were already signed up for something under CFAP 2, but the expanded eligibility or the expanded commodities have added something else, how does that affect their, their application? Right. It, it depends a little bit about uh, as far as what they may be eligible for. So um, again, the top-up payments, just go back to the existing application and issue some additional money. But there were changes in provisions with regard to a sales commodity, for instance. If you had a sales commodity previously on a CFAP2 application that you applied by December 11th for, and now you, we know you can add those crop insurance indemnities or those NAP or WIP payments, we would need you to come back to the county office and ensure that you've added those to your eligible revenue for calculation of the payment. Our offices did reach out to folks uh, that had applied, and so many of them have already done that. But if, if, a, if someone's in question, with the reopening of the CFAP2 application period, this is the perfect time to make sure that uh, you've got your bases covered there with those additional provisions. So if you previously applied, for the most part, you probably don't need to take additional action. 
but just know that there are some things that uh, were added. Turf grass sod, for instance, was added. So if you had applied previously and you're a turf grass, turf grass sod producer, you'd wanna make sure that you come back and add that to your application. So um, any questions with that, best off to contact your local county office. If, if a producer, for example, that had primary row crop commodities, corn, soybean, sorghum, had applied for, had received CFAP2 support in the past calendar year, this would bring additional top-up payments on those same commodities. Do they, uh, if they if they didn't get it all uh, calculated when they originally applied, can they add acres that they didn't include previously, or do yes. they have to live with what they originally applied? Well, in regard to like so let's say a corn and soybean producer, when they would have come in originally and applied, um, they would have needed to have an acreage report on file with FSA. And so those acres would have pulled directly from the FSA acreage report. So generally we wouldn't expect that there would be any change in those acres. But let's say for instance, that they came in and they applied on their corn and soybean production, uh, but did not also add their, uh, maybe their numbers for cattle. And so with the reopening of CFAP too, they have an opportunity to come back in now and add the cattle to that application. So. I think it's a good time for uh, folks just to reevaluate what they did apply for. And if they feel that there's something they could have added, we've got the opportunity to do that now. Good. And so that exists for CFAP 2. Uh, for CFAP 1, however, the, the enrollment period is officially closed, so they can't go back and if they, right. if they chose not to sign up for CFAP 1, uh, but saw the top up payments and said, I really should have, it's too late, right? That's correct. CFAP one application period's not being reopened. So, uh, right, there is no opportunity to go back and do that. Okay. So it's important to know what, what you've been participating in and, and what yes. you might uh, need to or be able, able to add if, if that's of relevance uh, and yes. to fully understand what's being rolled out now, so. Yes, absolutely. Good. All right, I believe that is where we stand uh, for questions today. Uh, the, uh, as noted, the, the primary website to, to look for this, farmers.gov, uh, has connections to all of these programs and a continuously evolving uh, set of details and, and a Q&A section uh, to help you with some further uh, information if you need it. Um, but Kathy, any final comments or thoughts from your perspective? Uh, no, I think our biggest uh, goal here, and, and again, thank you for allowing us to use this platform. I think our biggest goal is just that anyone that feels they might have an eligible crop, um, ask the questions, go to the website, find your local service center. We don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to apply. So uh, we'll just leave everyone with that today. Good, thank you, Kathy. Uh, as always, we thank you for your time and, and collaboration. And, and Bobby, uh, shout out to you as well for, for helping us get uh, organized today. Uh, we thank you, everyone for joining us this afternoon uh, or this morning if you happen to be yet in, in the uh, uh, mountain time zone. But we thank you for joining us. Remember, a recording of this webinar uh, will be posted on our website, farm.unl.edu.
the same page that shows a calendar of upcoming webinars also has at the bottom of the page a, a list of previous webinars and recordings. And you can always find this and, and find it then. We tend to see a substantial number uh, watching the recording later on. So we know uh, that at least the information is valuable and continuing to be uh, of usefulness to producers and, and other ag stakeholders. Uh, a reminder that uh, the schedule for upcoming webinars is there. And I mentioned at the beginning of the this this of today's program, but next week's webinar will be Nathan Kaufman. I said he was with the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. It's important to note that he's actually the executive at the Omaha branch of the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. Don't forget that we have a an important branch office here in the state as well. But Nathan will be with us to talk about the continuing economic recovery and the economic recovery's impacts on U.S. agriculture. Uh, join us next week uh, at a special time. I believe that's an 11.30 uh, central time start instead of 12 o'clock. Uh, but look again to that webinar or look again to that website for, for specific details. Now, as we leave you today, we remind you, uh, uh, remember that a short survey will be coming here in email uh, to, to, get, to give you a chance to give some feedback on uh, today's webinar and to give you a chance to... Uh, um, uh, to focus on uh, what we might uh, be of value to provide for, for future sessions. So we thank you very much and uh, look forward to seeing you again uh, the next time. Again, thanks, Kathy and others. Uh, we appreciate it. We hope everyone has a great day. This has been a special Nebraska Farmcast presentation of Extension Farm and Ranch Management in the Department of Agricultural Economics at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. To view or listen to more archived webinars, register for upcoming sessions, and discover more timely news, analysis, decision tools, and publications to guide your decision-making, visit farm.unl.edu.